Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and I am so excited for today's conversation. A, because I love bourbon, and that's the topic that we're going to be talking about today. But B, we get to talk about a whiskey brand that was founded and made a name for itself in Omaha um, a long, long time ago. And then it went dormant for like 100 years until this man, my guest today, resurrected it. I'm so excited to introduce the owner of Golden Sheaf Bourbon, David Young. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. You've come bearing gifts, which we appreciate. And this other debonair individual sitting here next to me, this is Will Burge. He is the owner of Mealbox and a good friend of mine. Basically, I, I enjoy bourbon, but I'm not an expert by any means. This guy knows what he's talking about. So I was like, if I'm gonna if we're gonna talk bourbon intelligently. I need I need a co-pilot here, so he's yeah. going to be my co-pilot today as as we discuss uh, some delicious bourbon. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Uh, so the very first thing that I want to get into today is just what Golden Chief is, because I'm going to be honest, I I wasn't really aware of it until probably a couple months ago, and as I dug in doing my research for this, Golden Chief has a rich history. Right. So when you're describing Golden Sheaf to somebody for the first time, somebody who doesn't know about it, how, how do you describe it? Yeah, you know, and it doesn't surprise me that you've not heard of it in the past or you're not familiar with it. So Golden Sheaf goes back to 1866, was born in Omaha in the district of Nebraska. So the year before Nebraska became a state. Um, and, and just a few of the, the wave top factoids, Golden Sheaf, the producers of Golden Sheaf grew to become the third largest distillery in the country. Pre-prohibition. That's a pretty big deal when you consider things like uh, the volume. Their volume generation by day was thirteen thousand gallons, which Holy is cow. massive. And you know a little bit of the the history of how it evolved and and uh, eventually went away. Um, you can imagine the byproduct producing thirteen thousand gallons of liquid a day. So the spent grains, you know, and they would donate that, give it to their their uh, farmer friends, pig farmers, cattle farmers, and. And then they recognized that that was a resource they were giving away. And so they got, they themselves invested in some land and some livestock and they actually started the Omaha stockyards. Wow. So leading up to prohibition. Yeah. You know, it's strange that not a lot of folks are familiar with golden chief, but most everyone, at least, you know, from the area familiar with Omaha and Nebraska uh, are familiar with the Omaha stockyards. So, Leading up to Prohibition, there was the temperance movement, which 
heavily influenced um, prohibition and ultimately led to the the um, the stopping of production and sales of of alcohol. Um, well, Golden Chief, the producers were one of eight distillers in the country invited to continue distilling for medicinal purposes, invited by the federal government, and they declined because they had already pivoted and focused on the cattle industry. So Golden Chief was shut down in 1920, and like you said, uh, 100 years later, we, we brought it back. Wow. So how did you become aware of it, and what, what made you interested in it? Um, so I'm, I love bourbon. I'll start with that. I'm, I'm, uh, and when I get into something, I get into something, you know, I'm really passionate about it. And, um, over the years, you know, I, I enjoy the backstories, the history, the variety and, um, the geography, all, all of the, 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 the different, you know, the, the, the cultural, uh, you know, brings people together. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. uh it's a resonator. And, um, I stumbled upon this just kind of researching local distilleries and looking for something new that I wasn't aware of. And I stumbled upon this and it sort of just stopped. There's not a lot of information or there wasn't at the time about Golden Sheaf on the Internet. And so I found myself in some of the local government buildings in basements uh, researching um Got you know any, anything that they had uh, microfish and you know handwritten notes right. and and the more I came across uh, the more intrigued I was and so I continued down that rabbit hole until I just kind of thought perhaps this is something that everyone will find interesting it's got legs to it it's got a colorful history um, it's shocking that more folks aren't aware of it and then eventually looked into resurrecting the brand. And what what were those conversations like? I I'm trying to even wrap my head around like if there's a brand that's just disappeared for a hundred years, like who do you even talk to about reanimating it? Yeah, the, the the so the Heritage Museum was a good place for information, just kind of behind the scenes. Um, like I said, some of the government buildings, just looking through archives. Um, but I hired some real smart legal folks to to sort of scour the country for you know remnants, you know traces of um, lineage and ownership and that sort of thing. And we were able to pinpoint where it just dropped off. They they shut it down, and you know there's no, there, there's some things that aren't necessarily talked about or celebrated with regard to prohibition, and that's you know the shame that was involved that was associated with alcohol at the time and being producers. And so it makes sense today. Uh, folks not talking about when you stop talking about something for a hundred years, it, it, it disappears, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's not, it's part of history, but you really have to dust it off and uncover the facts. To, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's cool. It's I cool. still look for constantly and I'll go into antique stores and look for uh, signage and, you know, any traces of, of the history. But um, yeah, that was it that the family, the families that were involved, they just walked away that, they didn't want to be associated with it, like a lot of distilleries back in that time. It's 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 mind blowing to me that, and and that's what I love about bourbon myself. Um, it's mind blowing that the third biggest distillery in the country is in Omaha, Nebraska, in South Omaha. Right. I didn't know any of that until one day I walked into Hy-Vee and saw a, saw a bottle of Golden Sheaf there. You know, and that to me, I mean, that's just the that's just the the nail on the head, but the history of bourbon itself is just incredible. It's incredible. That's my that's my draw to it. Um, it's it's just really cool stuff. So, so I'm just I'm fascinated by this. Like, take me back to that first conversation that you had when you tracked down these families. You tracked down the lineage. After a hundred years, I don't know if you know these descendants even know 
that Golden Chief exists and it's in their family and all of a sudden they've got somebody coming to them saying, hey, I'm interested in your brand of bourbon here. Like, what were those first conversations like? Well, they weren't necessarily conversations with any of the blood lineage. It was just just tracking legal documents to the very end and, and associations and that sort of thing and seeing if there was any intellectual property that was maintained moving forward. And they were to pin, be able to pinpoint the delineator, that line, in 1920. And that's really, you know, so the next step is to, um, you know, basically take that, dust it off, refresh it, and then create something and put it out in the market. And then, you know, so we were able to recreate the intellectual property and then continue to create the, the more modern brand of Golden Chief as well. That You just went right where I wanted to go next in that modernizing that brand yeah because obviously this is a brand that has a lot of history it has a lot of um it has a lot behind it it's not something brand new but at the same time it's been out of the market for a while most people you know you kind of it's cool because you get the history but you also get to like reinvent the brand and make it what you want to make it put your fingerprints on it right right which i love yeah and it's i always say our formula for success is a great backstory you know that that cover on the book right to to uh, lure folks in and then you have to have that that juice in the you know the the quality juice in the bottle to keep customers coming back and that's right. our favorite type of customers the ones that keep coming back so it's it's a combination you can't have just a beautiful bottle a beautiful backstory and then have some subpar whiskey you have to be able to you know that's a one and done but we we want to so this is where I'm able to uh, invest my contribution, and that's blending whiskey. That's what I do. So I, I create the blends, which are unique from batch to batch that are in the bottle. And I'm excited to get into that. But just a little bit more on the brand. Sure. How do you, like, what did you do to modernize it, to take Golden Chief into the 21st century? Well, there's the easy answer, and then there's the the, the creative answer. But back- I, I want the creative answer. <laughs> well, we, we, we don't do it easy here I'll, on Restaurant Hopping. Well, I'll tell you the easy, just 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 for frame sure. reference. Back pre-prohibition or you know late 1800s, there were no standards, right? So so whiskeys were um, often expedited to to you know created. They would recreate an aged whiskey to get it out to market. Well, there's no such thing as recreating an aged process. So they would often color um, whiskeys with uh, shoe polish or tobacco spit and then sell it as, you know, aged whiskey. Uh, Eventually, um, you know, as a society, we wised up, created some standards, and now there's um, criteria to actually be considered, you know, whiskey and bourbon that you put out in the market. Um, But we continue to celebrate the the colorful history of the brand. Um, However, we've created sort of the modern appearance of uh, golden sheaf, you know, and it's, we celebrate the rich history, but we're combining that with sort of the new era of sophistication. And, um, and that's our theme where we've, we're in the, the top tier luxury brand of spirits. Um, it's about, um, timeless, um, whiskey. It's about, um, you know, bringing folks together, but we, we captured the essence of the original. So I have some of the original bottles, Oh, wow. and, and I'll have to share with you some of the pictures that I should have brought those in. But um, we, we've got some really talented artists that, that captured that, that label. So that label is really similar to what the label looked like back in 1866. And, wow. that, and that's really cool. Um, we just modernized it. You know, it's different time, different era. Um, folks drink a little differently. Um, you know, we've got a variety of different blends. But 
it's it's really you know evolved into how today um, folks enjoy luxury brand spirits, you know, enjoy whiskeys, and you know, continuing to celebrate historically what this brand was. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, if you just go into a, a random grocery store, much less a huge place like wine, beer, and spirits, or something like that, you're exposed to dozens, if not hundreds, of different whiskeys and and bourbons. So, like, just putting another one on the shelves, it's going to be hard to get attention. Right. But when you're able to bring in, like, that that history and be able to say, actually, you know, this isn't just another bourbon X that started 10 years ago. This is something from hundreds of years ago that we started here in Omaha. Right. And we're, re- we're bringing it back. Like, what were... Like, as you're talking to retailers and suppliers and you're trying to sell them on this, like, what were the, what were those conversations like? Were they just like, whoa, this, this exists? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you you tell a story and a lot of folks that, you know, from the local area, they'll look at you like you're crazy because they've not heard of it. And then, you know, to kind of do the one, two punch, you know, tell them a really cool story and they, they want you to back it up. So then you kind of come out with the antique bottles and the antique glasses that I have. Which I, I, I try to leave at home as often as possible. I'm just, you know, I have nightmares about one of those shattered <laughs> yeah. I have very few of them. Um, and we'll have those on display in our in our retail store or our, our venue once we open that up. Um, be a little bit of a, you know, pay homage to the, the history. Um, but, yeah, that's just it. it. It's kind of a one, two, three punch, if you will. You know, tell the story and then you show them, you know, reinforce that this is a, um, a, a vintage uh, brand and then follow up with the tasting of the the current whiskeys and and that's typically what what you know hook line and sinker right there what was your reaction will when you were introduced to uh to to this i mean hearing the story getting to taste yeah. it i mean yeah uh, i guess before before i actually tasted it i was a little bit hesitant you know obviously mm-hmm. uh when it comes to the whiskey world you know this there's there, the guys and the gals are very particular right Very. they're chasing yeah. things that are hard to obtain right. right and that's what's most important to them not necessarily um you know everybody likes a good whiskey but they all think that those allocated bottles are the best whiskey right. and not necessarily the truth right so when i when i first tasted golden sheaf um it was the uh the port finish and i was blown away i was blown away it's better than it's better than probably 80% of the bottles that I own, uh, the, it's fruity. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's got a lot going on. And, and you can just tell the, um, you can tell the, the, there's a lot of care put into that, into that juice, um, when you, when you drink it. And I think, I think that's probably something we should do here soon, you know, just, to, sure. just to get the, <laughs> the juices flowing because, um, when you're talking about, uh, a, a product that's some relatively new in the market, right? Right. Um, what three or four years now? I mean, yeah. It's been released. It, yeah. Twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I think I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of exposure that needs to happen, and the only way to do that is to get it in your mouth, right? Right. So, um, no, I think uh, I, I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, especially coming from someone of your skill and talent oh, and, and, and the quality of, yeah. of, of your products. You know, being a, a chef, um, I tasted very, very little 
so far. Sure. But man, gosh, I mean, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, it's all about our, detail, our, right? Our worlds and, collide quite yeah, a bit. You absolutely. Know, that's, that's what's cool about it is uh, you do a lot of blending with with liquids. I do blending with foods, you know, and that's that's what makes a great dish. That's what makes a great whiskey. Right. And uh, yeah, I just, and you do a great job of it too. <laughs> well, you do as well. You do as well. Thank you. Well, David, I mean, you were kind enough to bring in several different bottles of Golden Sheaf in here. Um, if we were to try one right now, which which one would you recommend? What what's a good starter? That's always that's always a tough question. It, it, so if we were to try them all, we just start with bourbon, um, and then which is the second one there? Yep, this is uh, bourbon batch three. So we've we started with bourbon batch one back in twenty twenty. That was the first release. That was actually the original recipe. Right. Um, I'll go ahead and pour us a little bit here. Sure, thank I, you. I did bring the the port finish. Will it's right there? Um, port finish bourbon. We yeah. also have port well, finish so rye. Obviously, the night I was trying them, right? A um, lot, lot going on. A lot right. of bourbons. So it's nice to it's nice to sit back and and uh, you know when you when you drink it, try to try to pick out the little nuances and flavors. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So this is this is like I said, bourbon batch three. Um, it's 105 proof. Uh, it's a blend of three. So I, this is my process. I source aged barrels. I'm not a distiller. I'm a blender. And, you know, there's some uniqueness to that. So I don't only source from one particular place. I'm constantly on the search for new ingredients, if you will. Absolutely. Um, look, you know, checking out smaller distilleries, large distilleries, um, and I'll broker those barrels. Sometimes buy one barrel at a time. Sometimes you buy 100. And always considering these as ingredients, you know, components of a whiskey blend. So this is a, a blend of three different whiskeys from Indiana, Kentucky, and Louisiana. Um, they, yeah, so this is it. So this is a nine and a half year blend, which is, you know, pretty mature for, for, oh, the, yeah. for the bourbon world. Cheers, guys. Oh, man. oh, that's so smooth. <laughs> so, so good. Oh, wow. Thank so you. Good. That's dangerous right there. <laughs> you know, that's... Pay, pay attention to how it just lingers, too, right, on your palate. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go away. It doesn't wash out. Just just lingers for quite a while. It's just fantastic. So I, I failed as a host. I don't think I did a good enough job introducing Mealbox. I was just kind of like, oh, here's Will. Oh, He's the owner of Mealbox. Oh, I want to catch anybody up. If you are unfamiliar with Mealbox, you need to change that about yourself because... The meals that this guy creates are fantastic. So this right. is a company where he puts out a different menu every week. You place an order. He comes, delivers it to your door in a package, a microwavable package. You put this food in your microwave, and what comes out is a dish that is restaurant quality. And I do not say that because you're sitting here. I say that because I fully believe it. Sarah and I have gotten so many meal boxes, and we've loved every one of them. So we are talking about a high-caliber chef here. And I'm just really curious, like, as you're drinking this and, like you said, you're processing those flavors, does your mind immediately start thinking, how could I pair this with, with things or how could I use this in my cooking? Um, I have to be in a certain mood for that to, to, that to occur. Sure. Right? Um, I, I appreciate this on a whole different spectrum of my, my craft. Um, it, it's, something that, it's something that I can never do. Um, or never really would want to do. And that's where I draw the line at, at my appreciation for things. Um, 
I could never take 10 years out of my life to distill, distill something, age it in, in my own little warehouse. Right. You know, I couldn't do that. So uh, I appreciate it as something that I can detach myself from cooking. On, on the other hand, when I drink it, right, if we smell it, I, 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 get, I get fruit, I get apples, I get berries. Um, I mean, I get caramel, I get vanilla, I get, I get all kinds of crazy, crazy flavors out of, out of these bourbons. And um, when, when you coincide that with food, um, the pairing is kind of limitless, you know? You can, you can do so much with, with a really good whiskey in your yeah. food, you know? Um, and, and cooking, you know, it's, it's simplicity, right? So um, you take, you take a, a, a good bourbon like this. It has a really good fatty, oily mouthfeel. You can pair it with really good fatty, oily meats, right? Uh, you can go sweet with it. You can, you can, you can go savory. Uh, it's the, the, world, the world's endless. Or the, the, uh, the, uh, um, the limits are endless as far as that goes. So, right, right. Yeah. So I'm curious what it was for each of you, and this obviously is on varying levels, but what drew you to bourbon? I mean, obviously, David, you've gotten very, very into bourbon, but, but Will, you know, you're, you're an, an enthusiast too. You know, yeah. you haven't resurrected a 100-year-old yeah, <laughs> no. uh, company, but still, you've gotten very into bourbon. Like, I, I enjoy bourbon, but when we went out to dinner and you were talking about your process on how you're just picking your drink, I'm like... Woo. I, I'm in double A. I'm yeah. playing with the guy who's in the majors here. So yeah. for you guys, what is it that draws you to bourbon? What is it about this that makes you go, this is something that I'm, I not only like to drink, but I'm fascinated in. I want to learn more about it. Yeah. Um, so I've got a pretty big bar at home. Um, just, just a bourbon bar. Um, and it's, again, it's my, my disconnect from a, a busy, stressful life. Right. Um, I'm in no way like a big drinker. I like, I like a little pour like that, you know, one or two ounces. Um, I go down there, I dissect it, I enjoy it, I think about things and, and run it through my head. Um, and I guess what, what originally got me into bourbon was my, my dad was a, was a whiskey drinker. Okay. Um, and it, I remember when I was maybe, you know, five years old, I, I went up and drank a little bit of his, his scotch, <laughs> I think it was at the time, and was disgusted by it. You of know? course. And then uh, you, you hit your 20s and you start drinking a little bit more and right. it's Jim Beam, Jack and all that stuff. And then there's just like a little, uh, a little swish that goes off in your head, you know, and you're like, Oh, I'm going to try the nicer stuff. And you think that's like Johnny Walker black or something like that, but you kind of graduate and graduate and grow. And, uh, I guess as of now, I won't buy anything that's under a hundred proof. You know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a higher proof, higher flavor. Um, that's how I make my decisions now. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of reading about, about bourbon. There's a lot of uh, reviewers just like you out there that review bourbon. And um, you take their, you take their uh, reviews and you kind of, you know, it, it, bourbon's a little bit expensive now, right? It's, not, be, it's, yeah. it's not the $30 a bottle anymore. Right. So you uh, really do your research and, and put everything that you've learned into what you, what you like and then invest in the bottle or don't, you know? Right. So, what about you, David? Yeah, you know, I, I like a lot of um, a lot of different things about it. I, I, when I first started, it was um, the the uniqueness from expression to expression. You know, tr- open it up. So, 
you open up a bottle of Jim Beam white label and it's going to taste in theory exactly like yeah. every other white label bottle of Jim Beam. And that's an art form in and of itself to, to maintain a consistent flavor profile. So uh, I've gotten to know some of the folks in the industry that that's their job to oh, yeah. ensure that white label Jim Beam tastes like white label Jim Beam the same way it did in 1980 and, and will in 2050 and, and, you know, Jack Daniels and some of the others, um, which is the opposite of what I do. And I, I really enjoy the, the, the creativity. So being able to build something, re- truly construct something and, and, um, it, and it's not simple. I, I, I strive for complexity to, to be able to, um, you know, the way Will describes uh, the way that he tastes uh, whiskey. And so it's from a purist level, um, this is this is me expressing David Mark Young. Um, but I really, I've always enjoyed um, tasting something, whether it's food or, or beverages. And I've always had in the back of my head this voice that says, that's great. However, it would taste a little oh, yeah. better with mm-hmm. something like oh, you know, yeah. incorporate this, yeah. or, and I would make it my way, you know. And I always say I'm a I'm a great chef, but not everybody enjoys macaroni and cheese saturated and Frank's red hot and right. garlic. Right. Uh, so I, I I customize it to my own palate. But then I, over the years, um, there was a time when you could describe it as day drinking. But now that I'm in the industry, we call it product familiarization. <laughs> <Work>. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, and there is some truth to that. You know, I don't. Uh, there's a fine line too. You know, overindulging is very easy with high proof spirits. So I always say, with uh, high proof comes with great proof comes great responsibility. Um, so it, to me, it is about tasting, tasting the uniqueness, and then being able to construct that or take take something that I'm familiar with and be able to improve upon it. Um, I've I've learned that I have a bit of a photographic memory when it comes to taste and smells right. so i can recall what my baseball mitt tasted like in third grade when i played for the orange team you know chewing on the leather piece oh, wow. of it or or the, the 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 aroma of fresh black soil on the east coast That's as crazy. i was weedy you know helping my mother weed her garden um and so as i incorporate um ingredients or components or individual barrels into my inventory which are ultimately like a spice rack right. you know for the right. the things that i create um, that creativity. So that's, you know, that, and then coupled with sharing it with, with folks and, um, it's a binder, you know, it brings people together. There's business deals. There's, you know, people celebrate birthdays or, or the birth of a child or even, you know, the loss of a, a family member. Um, it's, it's, it's just when, when, um, uh, you know, consumed responsibly, it's, it's, it's really a neat, uh, Human, it's oh, uh, a great touch. Brings everybody together. Yeah, it's a great yeah. touch. Social, yeah. social component. And I love what you say about you know having this versus a Jim Beam. And I'm going to make a comparison here. This is not meant to be an insult to sure. Jim Beam in any way at all. Because, like you said, it takes a skill to have that that same quality every single time to replicate the same thing. It's like you know you're going to a, a fast food place like a right. Runza or a McDonald's you're not getting anything super chefy but right. you know exactly what you're going to get mm-hmm. and you're going to get that same burger every single time and the quality is there right. it's it, it is what it is it serves its purpose you are more like a chef at an all courant or a boiler room right. a tasting menu restaurant right. where you're constantly reinventing your your brain is constantly working trying to pair these various different tastes and scents that you're experiencing and you're trying to think okay you know it's not how can i how can i create a bottle that can just be replicated time and time again 
but how can I create something that is going to make a new experience right. for someone? It'll give them something familiar, like the Golden Sheaf brand is recognizable, but each bottle is going to give somebody a little bit different of an experience. Yep, exactly. Um, I would, I would, I would just touch on that and yeah, say, go. That, say that uh, consistency is, is a very hard thing to do. It oh, is. absolutely. Because if you're not, if you're not there, you know, doing it yourself, uh, writing it all down, um, it's it's damn near impossible. It is. You know, it other, other is. people touch it and it goes goes a di- different way. You know, so. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a big it's a big thing consistency and and um, so no knock to Jim Beam. Not at all. I'm yeah. a huge fan of Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Um, I was fortunate enough. I, I have a podcast myself, and I was fortunate enough to have um, uh, Sherry Moore, who worked at Jack Daniels for 33 years, and and so she started back in the 70s. And her um, primary responsibility at one point was to ensure consistency. And she talked about her team of 50-plus tasters that, you know, they've got 30 or however many warehouses that age. You know, those are the factors yeah. of, of flavor that we were ta- discussing. And so within one warehouse, you could potentially have, you know, a dozen or more different flavors going on, depending on the elevation or the, the exposure to the, the, the light, the, the, the wind, barometric pressure, humidity, all the things. And so those tasters had to be familiar with what, areas were producing what flavor notes oh and then so sort of insane. the combination of how to take those and create the standard so insane and especially if you think like you have a extra long dry summer for instance right? exactly and, yeah and and the barrels go a little bit hotter yep. you know and then the flavor changes flavor you changes gotta figure out yeah. how to get that back down to jack daniels yeah you know, it's just nuts it's nuts and i find that very fascinating Super however fascinating. i love what i do i love oh, the absolutely. uniqueness and the, you know be able to, to pull that thread and Absolutely. Um, take take it a little bit, push push a little bit, the envelope a little bit further. But I love that. That's the inverse of what I do. Oh, absolutely, and it's yep. fascinating. Yep. Yeah, both incredibly difficult skill sets to master, yep. but you know, very unique, but also both very important. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. There are certain moments in your life that are so remarkable, you'll just never forget them. I distinctly remember the first time that I watched LeBron James play basketball and the first time I saw the original Star Wars. The sheer awe I had in those moments changed the way I look at basketball and movies, respectively, moving forward. The same goes to steak, thanks to certified Piedmontese. The rib cap at Casa Bovina is so rich, decadent, and fork tender that it is seared into my brain. But you don't have to dine at Casa Bovina to have that same life-changing experience. This beef is so delicious, even the average home cook can look like a superstar using these steaks, roasts, and ground beef. Trust me, I know from experience. Check out all the options on CertifiedPiedmontese.com and use my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. It's time to start creating new beef-centric memories that'll stay with you forever. And now, back to my guest. So I didn't even realize this, and maybe I'm just a dummy, but until I was on your website, I didn't realize that bourbon is the only spirit category that must be produced in the United States. So it's the only spirit that is 100% American, which I think is really cool and really fascinating. makes me love bourbon even that much more. What is it for you guys when you drink bourbon a bourbon for the first time if you're completely unfamiliar with it that makes you go oh damn that that's good like these guys know what they're doing when they're creating a bourbon 
Go ahead, Will. Well, um, it's it's just a flavor bomb up front, you know. Um, one one I can definitely speak on is uh, like Weller Antique 107, right? Mm-hmm. You take a take a drink of that, it's like a wild cherry. It's just boom in your face. Uh, the proof isn't too high. Um, obviously, sits at 107. Um, just flavor out the wazoo, you know, and it's smooth. Uh, not that I really, I don't really care if it's smooth or not. I enjoy a little bit of heat, you know, um, but um, you, you definitely just get a flavor bomb up front. Um, I, I, I got that with this that I just sampled, you know, it's just a big, big, big pop of flavor up front. Uh, another one I can uh, definitely say is like a wild turkey rare breed rye. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it tastes like apple pie you know you're sitting there you have a blank palate you take a drink and it's like boom this big old papa apple pie and it's just like wow this is so nice you know um that's that's kind of where i go with it i think you've got a new tag flavor out the wazoo flavor. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to just <laughs> will birds just yeah. throw that on there i like that yeah. i like that you put a little quote right there in that. <laughs> yep <laughs> i'll take that a little further i i start with the same thing so that that flavor bomb up front but then i i look for the the complexity so what's the next flavor and and when as it hits various parts of your palate how does that change right. and does it continue to resonate and then you know, if it's a higher proof, then you feel that, you know, as it's, as you're swallowing it and, and then what happens afterwards, you know, is it, does it linger? Does yeah. it, and so the complexity, the mouthfeel, um, the, the, the flavor bomb, they all, to me, that's the, you know, it's like the perfect meal. It comes together. Right. So that's, that's the perfect bourbon for me. It's almost like eating a sour, a sa- not, not sour, but eating like a sour candy and you have that salivation going on yep. in your mouth. Like, yep. You know, that Kentucky chew going on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about some of the different elements that can influence the flavor, the aroma, the mouthfeel, everything in a bourbon. Um, gosh, I don't just want to throw all of them at you at once, but like what what are some of the most important elements do you think? I, I'm talking things like the grain recipe, how it's stored, whether it has a cask finish, the barrel that it's aged in. Like, what are some of the most important elements to you that make a great bourbon? Yeah, that's a great question. I first and foremost, um, for me, it's it's the age. There's a there's a sweet spot, and, and I always say six years is is where things begin to turn, begin to evolve. You know, it's it's almost uh, you know, that's when the seeds, you know, the, the seedling begins to blossom and it actually begins to uh, take shape as far as what direction the flavor profile is going. Of course, you know, a lot of that starts with the, the mash bill, the distillate, um, and then, you know, it proof entry into the barrel. And then, you know, of course, where it sits in the warehouse and how it's aged. Um, a lot of care and feeding that goes into maintaining those barrels, too, to ensure that, you know, sometimes they they spring leaks and, um, and like Will said, you could have, you know, some rogue weather that, that perhaps can, can affect it, um, either way. Uh, but I think it's, you know, I, I tend to target that six year and above and just because a, a whiskey or bourbon's older doesn't necessarily mean it's better. No. You can over age, you can over oak. Um, and then, and then I would, I would secondarily highlight the, the proof. I, when I build a, a whiskey, there is an appropriate proof for that profile, for that flavor profile, or for that blend. Um, and so, 
I target that sweet spot, that apex, where I'll take a whiskey out of the barrel at barrel strength and then proof it down and taste test it, and I'll grade it on heat. I'll grade it on, uh, grade it on flavor profile, and um, and then and then I'll uh, perform that exercise backwards, and then I'll perform that exercise blind, and then I compare all the notes to to see where I, where I'm at. While and it's, it's, <laughs> it's 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 flavor. It's, yeah. it's pro or. Uh, product familiarization, right. you know, yeah. um, but yeah, no, there's, that's, that's a, it's a good point. You know, it's, you always have to be careful with that, not to mention, um, over, over consuming or over tasting because I've blown my palate out before mm-hmm. to where yeah. you're, you, you're unable to taste anything. And it, it happened, uh, not that long ago and, and really scared me, but it, you know, I learned from that and I realized, okay, there's a, this isn't something that happens within, uh, you know, a couple hours or even days. Sometimes it's weeks, and so that's why that really? detail. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, sometimes it's just not a good day for tasting. You know, sometimes it's uh, you know per allergies or or uh, you know something that something that had consumed the day prior might might affect um, how I'm tasting. And so absolutely, there's yeah. sort of a baseline yeah. test to make sure we're on point, and then we go into the the tasting exercises. Tasting extra. <laughs> we got to think his job is is bourbon. Right? That's right. What do you what do you have to drink every single day? You know, get familiarize it, and yeah, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. It's, I mean, that's again going back to it, just fascinating to me. Just really is. You, you'll never hear me complain about my job. <laughs> and you should. I feel like I have the the coolest job in the world. So you, pretty fortunate. You just went into your process a little bit, but I love how you described it earlier, where you were talking about you know well when he's creating dishes he's got a spice cabinet Mm -hmm. that he's pulling from you've got your own spice cabinet of different bourbons that you can blend together when when do you know or i guess part of it might be your grading scale but like how do you select what goes in that spice cabinet like when you're tasting a bourbon how do you decide yes this is an ingredient that i want to have available to me in the future sure um yeah and that's important that's important to so as I purchase um, barrels, I'll, you know, note that, mentally note that, okay, this is, or, or even have notes on, you know, incorporated into the inventory. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the more uh, unique uh, flavor profiles is a Louisiana bourbon that I was um, able to acquire, and we we bought a lot of these barrels. It's an 80-10-10, meaning an 80 corn, um, 10% rye, and then 10% malted barley. They're eight years old, and they're very unique. They they aren't necessarily whiskeys that I would um, take directly from the barrel and put into a bottle and sell as a single barrel, but they, they make for a very unique component of a whiskey. So I, I have a lot of these in inventory, and, and I know, okay, is this, you know, as I'm assembling sort of a recipe, is, you know, is that, something that would emphasize some of these existing notes. So that's where I start typically is I'll start with sort of a baseline of what age do I want to um, target? And then, you know, I'll, I'll taste a few different samples within that age category and that'll be the baseline. And then what flavors do I recognize in that? And what do I want to emphasize and, and highlight with that proofing exercise or incorporate to, um, you know, magnify that flavor or round off for that matter. It might be some sort of unsavory components. Um, so it's start with something and then, you know, kind of navigate to it's, it's a creative there's, it's not, I can't say I've ever thought, 
I want this, and, mm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and then back into it. It's typically kind of start with a lump of clay and then evolve it into whatever shape it's supposed to be in, I guess. Is it, is it difficult to, uh, to find barrels? Um, it, it, it's, it's getting easier, you know, during COVID, um, the first batch, batch number one was the original recipe and aged weeded barrels, um, were, I don't want to say they were common, but they were more available at the time. And then of course with COVID, um, supply chain, everything was disrupted, you know, in, in most, if not every industry. And, um, so when it came time to source barrels for batch two, that was a, a pivot. You know, oh, as yeah. a business owner, it was a yeah. pivot. I just assumed that we were going to continue to replicate the first batch. wasn't available. Right. And the minimum purchase was, had gone from five to 100 or 150 at the time. And, um, you know, not having cash flow at the time to be able to invest in that volume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, okay, what's available now? And so today it's similar, but there's more available. Um, I've found myself in the brokerage business as well. So I'm brokering whiskeys. If I find something really good and I think it'll get better in four or five years, and if it's worth hanging on to, I'll go ahead and invest in that, you know, carve some off for our inventory right. for this product, but then, you know, have other chips to, to sort of barter with. Um, so yeah, buy, sell and trade, but it's, I, you know, I've, I think be, due to the growth of the brand and, the, and it's, it's rapid, um, popularity i feel like i found myself in a pretty fortunate position awesome. to be able to broker with a number of groups and uh, and and then create our own brokerage so absolutely. we're doing pretty well on very that cool. side of things can we try another one of these absolutely what would you recommend we go next so i think we should You're just the stick in here. the in the bourbon category here um so this is one that will had had mentioned um this is a this is an eight-year bourbon Eight-year blended bourbon finished in um, red wine casks or, or port casks. Um, so, yeah, let me go ahead and pour you some. This is 100 and – well, I'll let you guys decide what proof you think it is. <laughs> okay. So, so, so port is a little bit sweeter, right? Yes. Yep. Kind of a falls into that dessert yep. wine category. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit real quick too, if you're from, not familiar with James Arthur Vineyards, which is the oldest vineyard in Nebraska, this is a collaboration with them. Oh, wow. mm. So they turned 25 last year. Um, I'm going to take one of these. Yep. They turned 25 years old and to celebrate, they cracked open, um, some 14 year old port barrels that they had and, and then bottled those. Wow. Amazing. They do a great job. Um, so I was fortunate enough to get, um, two bourbon in one, rye in the other, and was able to uh, create and products out of it. Goes them. back to what I do, local, you know? Yeah. You're, you're, you're creating a local uh, economy. Yeah. You know? And I'll and I'll also say that we um, so it, there's a difference between flavored whiskeys and finished whiskeys. So this is a, a bourbon blend that was put into the, the emptied port cask and then um, it was essentially an experiment, you know, okay taste test it um you know and then decide when it was ready to come out so i'm I'm, i always claim to be a purist um so i want to maintain that bourbon baseline flavor profile and then capture the essence of whatever we're finishing in so that's that was my goal here cheers again cheers Cheers, i missed the last one sorry guys no no problem wow yeah, you do get a little bit more sweetness. So it's so. Mm. 
that, so good. That's fantastic. I mean, the first one was great. I'm I'm a big fan of this. Yeah, that's that's very very good. Hey, you notice how the finish is totally different. Oh yeah, it's like a it's like a it lingers, but it's not so on the back of your tongue. It's mm-hmm. just oh man, it's so good. So I'm fascinated in this concept of blowing your palate out because I'd never considered that or or even thought about it before. But obviously, it's hugely important to your job. Oh, your, yeah. your job is to I I mean to not only taste other whiskeys but then to be able to taste your product and say okay what what things go well together and experiment if you blow your palate out you're hurting like you could easily hurt your business so how how do you find that balance between yes my job is i have to constant constantly isn't the right word but consistently be tasting 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 but not too much i've got like how, how do you find that line essentially where i can't cross this or I could risk business here. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't want to say it's a challenge, but it is. A, you know, it's a heightened awareness of okay, how much am I consuming? Because a lot of my job is, um, I'll call it social, but you know, like some of the events that, yeah. that we did together, and um, I, I'm out in the market sharing, and sometimes I just don't indulge myself. I'll, I'll have a glass of whiskey in my hand, but um, but I, you know, I often just taste, and I. And then there's, you know, my actual social events where I'm at, at, at something and, and I want to indulge. Um, so it, it's just constantly gauging, um, you know, it's like anything else, you know, things are better in moderation. So I just have to, to be careful. Um, it, and, and, it, and it constantly um, reiterates the, the high risk as well, you know, um, I, I do a podcast with a gentleman named Dick, Dixon Dedman, who's um, uh, an icon in the industry, and big fan. Um, he's he's got um, a, a resurrected uh, Kentucky Owl, and and then launched his own brand Two XO. Um, and we have a bit of a platform with our podcast, and so you know we recognize that folks are listening to us. Why not? If we're gonna um, you know be in the spotlight, let's use it for some some good as well. Not just you know have fun with it, but. Um, and we talk about that often, just practicing moderation and responsibility and um, not to try to harp on folks. But it's this is it, it's it's fun. It's you know, there's a lot of folks that are really passionate about this and it's very easy. So this I didn't tell you what it what the proof can, is can on I it. Guess? Yeah, please do. I guess one eleven. You're close. I, I cheated when you first got it out. I saw when you were putting it on the table. So very close, though. Well, yeah. What are we at? One fifteen. Wow. Wow. It doesn't drink like it. And that's that apex, right? That's where we're trying to to create that flavor yeah. bomb, and but then also you know push the heat down so it's not fire up front. So it's it's got such a great nose. I mean, I can just sit here and smell it forever. This is one of my favorites, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, we we have won a number of accolades for this. We won a double platinum award uh, recently, and um, yeah, so it's. You know, the thing is, these are limited batches, so someone just today was asking, where can we find this one? And, um, you know, part of that's kind of creating the demand, but yeah, also yeah. it's just lim- We're not trying to saturate the market with these, and we can't. You know, we're very limited in, in the components that we're, we're using to assemble them. So, um, But I think that's smart, too, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Congratulations on the award. I mean, thank you. This is really, really, really good bourbon. Appreciate it. That. Really is. Thank um, you very much. Um, I just ever since I had it the first time, I just I've had dreams about it. Just, <laughs> it, 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 really, it really is that good. I that's, mean, that's flattering. Uh, I appreciate I'm, I'm that. I'm sitting here. 
uh, you know, uh, what, one thing that I think I talked to you about was you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of people that don't drink whiskey come up, like, right? And they they take a drink, and they go, oh, well, you know, you know, and walk away. One thing that I every time I drink with somebody who's not a not a whiskey drinker is is to take some time with it, right? Acclimate your palate to it, and that's especially true with the nose, right? Mm-hmm. We, we're yeah. we're kind of rushed for time, so we're we're taking the nose sure. right away, and you're getting that ethanol. But if you let it sit for five, ten minutes, yep. you know, it's a completely different ball game, and I'm already getting it. You know, the the, the ethanol's gone, right? And that sweet, sweet, just fruity aroma. Oh man, it's just such a good job. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. I. If we have time, I know we're probably getting close here. I have one more, which is it's not even in the barrel or in the in the bottles yet, but it's um, it's a, it's a force to be reckoned with. And if we've got time to taste, then I'm not going to say no. Okay. It almost <laughs> looks like a, like a maple syrup. Looks pretty. Thick. No, no, this is a this is a special barrel. So it's um, also from James Arthur Vineyards, but it's a white port. Um, and it's a rye. It's a it's a special blended rye that I that I put together and put in. Um, this one here, sure. So as you pour, I, I'm just I'm so fascinated, like just hearing the the way that you speak about these and just the knowledge that you have. I mean, it's one thing to be a whiskey enthusiast, and yeah. I mean, even Will is speaking with very very high levels of knowledge here. But and no offense, Will, no, but I, I don't know if you could do what he what no. David is doing and how he's he's got these tasting scales and he's blending whiskeys how did you up your whiskey knowledge to get to the level where you're at right now where you're beyond just being able to taste and say okay i enjoy this i can pick out certain notes to like this expert level well i appreciate that um you know this has become my life it literally all all aspects of it which i'm grateful for this is i'm very passionate about about whiskey and and its culture, um, it's its 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 own universe, just like anything else. You know, you get into it, and it's got depth to it, and um, and that's been my mission. Um, you know, as I um, you know recognize this as an opportunity for to for a, a company and, and a brand to be able to you know be the the face and the name of this to to really go all in, and um, and and I have I've invested in it. So, um, you know, I my circles are all um whiskey enthusiasts i you know there's a lot on social media the the whiskey enthusiast groups um i do a lot of research and that doesn't mean just consuming whiskey right. but but understanding the history and um but also networking i i'm fortunate enough to have a lot of great connections um you know one of the great things about the spirit industry and bourbon industry in particular is um it's a family and folks embrace one another and they want to help one another. And, and, you know, and I, and I do do my best to reciprocate that as well. You know, that's why I'm, I'm trying to, you know, share what I've learned with, with those that the up and comers, those that are, you know, entry level trying to understand. Um, I just, I love it. And so again, you know, just fortunate enough to have a lot of friends that have been very successful in the industry that have grown brands. um, Some of the biggest brands, some of the, you know, master distillers that have been doing this for 50 plus years. Um, just fortunate enough to have those connections and then, you know, share all around. Unbelievable. This is, unbelievable. <laughs> I, I made Will wait. He couldn't wait. He had to go before. It's unbelievable. That's really good. Well, thank Am you. Am I tasting like peanut butter in the, in the finish? 
I've I've tasted I taste a little bit of peanut butter. I taste a little bit of creamy, almost like creme brulee. You know that crispy granular sugar. Um, Unbelievable! Something's happened here. I I give give credit to my girlfriend. She pulled a sample, and ever since then, um, it's it's taken this this brilliant shape and i i love it i can't wait to to get this into a bottle and and share it um and and please take a take a guess at what proof you think this one is oh i i, I saw the label did you see yeah, <laughs> will and i are just a bunch of cheaters I, here i took a drink about two and a half minutes ago and that finish is still there uh, yeah. it just won't go away this, this is that's insane this is amazing that's insane i mean yeah that's that's a good that's a good bourbon so this is actually a rye. This is yeah. This is uh, I put some secret components in here, but some aged. I, I blended a little bit of aged um, um, high corn bourbon in with okay. it, and uh, and then it sat in this uh, white sweet wow. port wow. barrel for some time. But 122 proof, and it's um, I think it's ready to go. I think we're going to get this in the bottle soon and get this out in the market. Yeah, fantastic. Please, and please yeah, do. This is something that people should be. Looking for. This is like a triple, quadruple up on kind of bottle. Yeah. This is really good. Yeah. This is special. It, it's fantastic. We call this Maggie's Barrel. My goodness. <laughs> so you, you mentioned, and this was a while ago now, but it's it's been in my head. You mentioned a retail store. Where, where is that in the works? It's um, So we're just a handful of weeks out from opening the production space. So it'll, it'll serve multiple purposes. It'll be a, a, a bottling um, facility for us. We'll be able to package... Um, whiskey and, and get it to the distributor and um, also sell it retail there in the store. Um, I'm, I'm, I've designed a blending lab, which is my dream come cool. true. It's my little science lab where yeah. I can have my hydrometers and whiskey samples and glasses and um, and then a, and then a um, public. Um, I keep referring to it as a whiskey club, which is again selfishly something I want. But it, it'll be a tasting room. It'll, be, it'll also be an education center. Um, we'll hold private events, kind of a micro private event center, but it's over by Oakview Mall. Um, like I said, about two weeks out from being able to go live with production, and then I think we're going to just maintain private events till throughout the this year, and then early next year open it up to the public. Okay, congratulations! Thank so, you. so awesome. if somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, "I, I need," I hear Will is just like expounding on this. It's <laughs> yeah. changing his life yeah. as we're sitting I here. Mean, I mean, it does. If, if somebody is listening and is like, "I need to get my hands on some Golden Sheaf now," where, where are some good places where they can find it? Sure. Yeah, we're fortunate enough to have a pretty big footprint here in Omaha, in Nebraska. Um, so the larger stores, wall to wall, Winebeard Spirits. Um, your local liquor stores, um, you know, uh, Spirit World, S and T Liquor, um, and the uh, the Rack out in Elkhorn, Old Vine Wine and Spirits, 168th and Maple, uh, and on and on. Um, and then also in Hy-Vee grocery stores, I've done a few collaborations that we have expressions that are exclusive to Hy-Vees on their shelves. Um, and then all over Nebraska, we've. We've they are running pretty low. Large footprint. They're running low at high fee. They are running low. No. <laughs> nope. uh, we also have an online presence through sealbox.com. So we've sold in 47 states. Um, we've, we've grown that. And then we just recently launched in Kentucky as well. So nice. Uh, we're continuing to scale. Well, I could seriously talk to you for hours. You are fascinating. I think this topic is so interesting. And just, I mean, I, I've 
I knew my knowledge was limited coming in, and now I just like my mind. It's just like Pandora's box has been opened <laughs> of you. how much there is out there. That's where we're, it starts. That's where it starts. This is where it yeah. starts. Unfortunately, we're we're up against the clock a little bit, but I have to know. Like you've only had this company for a couple of years, and already you know it's it's come a long way. And you're talking about opening the retail store and having you know for for lack of a better term a whiskey club. When you look at the future of Golden Chief and and what it could become, what what do you see? Yeah, we have a lot we have a lot of balls in the air. Um, we recently um, inked a deal, a contract with Bartstown Bourbon Company, one of the top five producers in the nation. They're down in Kentucky. Um, they'll be doing a number of of things for us. They currently bottle for us. We'll be doing some production. Um, you know, our our mission isn't to be a household brand. We're we're a luxury brand, um, so we're targeting those luxury markets. We're not trying to get into every state. We're we we scaled out into Kentucky because we've got some close ties to Kentucky. That's also the the headquarters for you know the global headquarters for bourbon. Um, so we're going to look at uh, New York and Los Angeles and Las Vegas, and then we're even looking to get into uh, Dubai uh, internationally, Tokyo, some of the higher end whiskey wow. luxury brand whiskey markets uh, make a name for ourselves and then um, we have some other smaller or lower tier price uh, products that will launch which will be standards they'll be consistent from uh, release to release and um, but just you know grow this and then we've got some other things too that uh, um, will complement golden chief and you know just whiskey and whiskey culture very cool Will, any last questions, comments, anything for David before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think, uh, I think we've touched on it all. Uh, I mean, I, I, again, I could go for... Right, this, we haven't touched on it at all. This, but. Could, be a, this could be a three-parter for all I'm concerned, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, I, I thanks for your time. and Thank I mean, you. It was an honor being up here with you. And, it was and, all my and, pleasure. The, the bourbon and, and rye is fantastic, and... I wish you the best. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you, David, for, I mean, first of all, for bringing these bourbons out and letting us try these. Like, this was, this is a heck of a lot of fun, and this is getting me exposed to a higher level than I'm normally at. Sure. Whew, it's going to be hard to go back down a little Come after on, I really? try stuff like that. What? It's, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> well, I get it. Uh, no, I'm saying these are these are better whiskeys than I would oh, usually okay. drink, and okay. I'm saying it's going to be hard yeah, to go yeah, yeah. back okay. to those whiskeys okay. after having this. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you might go back to work. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, it's uh, been my pleasure and honor. Thank you yes. for having me, and it's such a great platform to be able to talk about my passion. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.